I'm continuing with series part three of overcoming intimidation. Really, overcoming the, the cultural pressures that are on this generation. As believers, God gives us tremendous resource, revelation, and grace to do so. Before we open the word, let me share something humorous. Heard about this sweet country grandmother who would start off every morning by coming out on her porch and thanking God for another day. Her neighbor didn't believe in God and would shout back when she'd say that, there's no such thing as the Lord. One day he overheard her asking God to give her groceries for the week. He snuck out early the next morning and put groceries on her front porch. When she came out and saw the groceries, she shouted, thank you, Lord, you did it again. Well, the man laughed and laughed and said, God didn't give you those groceries. I put them there. Then she said, Lord, not only did you send the groceries, you made the devil pay for them. <laughs> Anybody ever wants the devil pay for something in your life? It's kind of cool when it happens. Second Timothy chapter 2, an intimate letter of expression of deep emotional, heartfelt truth from the Apostle Paul at the end of his life toward Timothy in the prime of his life, pastoring a great church. And Paul's discerning struggles that Timothy was going through, and he said this to him in verse 6, I remind you to stir up the gift of God that was given to you by the laying out of my hands. And he, all of us need to be reminded periodically, regularly, and really aggressively to not forget what God has done for us and all the benefits and blessings that are ours. Amen? Not forget who we are, not forget what's ours in Christ, and not forget all that God has given us in his word, by his grace, in his kingdom. Next verse is our main verse. For God has not given us. Now, there's the inclusive. Someone will say, well, this was a letter written to one man. But then here's the big, massive, inclusive promise. God's not given any of us a spirit of fear. Now, notice Paul talks about fear not just as an emotional struggle or a mental battle. He says it becomes spiritual when it takes control of you. So it begins, you know, fear like any other process in our heart and our mind begins with a thought that grows into really a tree of influence, grows into a house that is inhabited by spiritual entities. And so when I have a fearful belief or a fearful thought process, the enemy will use it to bring oppression to me. God's not given us a spirit of fear. But conversely, God has given us a spirit of power. We talked about that last week. Dunamis, miraculous power, and of love, and of a sound mind. So the antidote is given to us in the promise of the scripture. That fear is not from God. Here's how we overcome it. By the revelation and the experience of God's power. By the revelation and experience of God's love. And by maintaining a safe, sound balanced and biblical mind, a mind that's been transformed. Talk about that next week. So God's love is more powerful than fear in this world. Amen. Father, anoint your word, your servant, your people. Have your way. Show the devil who's boss. Thank you for a day of complete freedom. In Jesus' name, amen. I love to talk about God's love because it's had such a deep impact, imprint on my own life as a, not just a minister, but as a believer in our walk, a beautiful Mary and I, God taught us so much early on about living and walking and be, being a determined lover of others. In 1 John chapter 4, the, the epistle of 1 John, 
The Apostle John uses the word love 43 times. It's the Greek word agape, same word Paul used. Agape, in the, in the Greek language, there are, it's like a language of science, and so there's really broad meanings, and you can really find the right words for right phrases, for right meanings. And in the English language, we basically have one word for love, which can be all kinds of different kinds of love, but the Greek language, there's five words, at least. There's the word uh, stereo, family love, phileos, brotherly love, a, a love that's, you know, uh, mutual, you love me, I love you, brotherly love. There's eros, sexual love, and then there's this word that's not found in Greek manuscripts before the time of Christ, the word agape, agapeo. And so this word is a different kind of love. It's a unilateral love. It's a love that says, I love you, I don't care if you love me back. It's an unconditional love. And the deeper kind of context of it, agape means when a person looks at another person and sees so much beauty and value in them, they feel compelled to love them. Why? Because there's beauty and value there. And the Bible says that's how God feels about mankind. That's how God feels about you. God so loved the world, John 3.16 says, God saw beauty and value in a fallen, sinful, lost world that he felt compelled to love us. And how did he love us? By giving us his son to save us. So this kind of love, this agape love, is ours in Christ. We'll talk about it today. 1 John 4, 7 says this, Beloved, let us love one another, for agape love is of God. And everyone that loves is born of God and knows God. He that does not love does not know God, for God is love. So it's really a litmus test. Here's that you can tell that you're a transformed believer when you learn to love people. See, all of us will stand before the throne of God. There's two, there's two judgments in the last days. There's the white throne judgment where, where Jesus judges people eternally if they're saved or not saved, heaven or hell. It's the judgment of eternity. But for believers, that's not our judgment. Our judgment is the Bema seat. And at the Bema seat, where we come to Christ, and as Christ said, we'll give account to the things that we've done. Really, we'll give account to the talents God gave us. Remember, he gave, in Matthew 25, he gave different kinds of talents, different levels of talents. So we give a, 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 you know, an accounting of them. I personally believe the greatest thing I will give account for, Michael Maiden, did you learn to love? Thank you, two amens from this Baptist congregation. So, because everything else flows when I'm loving. Romans 13 says, love one another, for love is the fulfillment of the law. All the laws fulfilled in this, love your neighbor as yourself. All the law, these 600, 560 rabbinic commandments. So, we're commanded to love. If we don't, so John says this, no matter how much scripture you know, if you don't know love, you don't know God. There's a whole chapter about this, and I, I, I'll just, you know, refer you to it. 1 Corinthians 13. The Bible says, if I have not love, I'm nothing. If I can prophesy the paint off the walls, if I could prophesy your social security number, your address, your everything about you. But if I don't have love, that prophecy means nothing to God. 
If I can heal the sick and raise the dead but don't have love, that means nothing to God. If I know all mysteries and understand biblical truth more than any person alive, but if I don't have love, that means nothing to God. If I give my wealth to the poor or I give my body as a martyr, but if I don't live a life of love, those actions meant nothing. Because without love, nothing matters. No matter how powerful, anointed, great, if it's love, it all comes down. Did you learn to love? Verse 9, in this the love of God was manifested toward us. Here's how God showed his love toward us. That God sent his only begotten son, that's Jesus, into the world that we might live through him. So Jesus Christ is the proof of how much God loves you. I don't know if what's happening. Maybe you're having a really tough time. And, you know, maybe it's been a tough year or a tough season. You can't gauge how much God loves you by your circumstances. You have to look at the cross. Jesus Christ is the proof of how much God loves you. Uh, he loves you. He really loves you, okay? And this was love, verse 10, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be a propitiation, a substitutionary sacrifice that covers our sin for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought to love one another. I love preaching this in this time of heightened kind of tension in the culture where people are being empowered to be unloving and calling that virtue. People, some in, in, in this modern culture, people have made a virtue about being really hateful and ugly. But that's not a biblical standard that we want to adhere to. So God loved us. He covered us. If God so loved us, then we ought to love one another. No one has seen God at any time. If we love one another, God's love abides in us. God abides in us. His love has been perfected in us. Now, here's a simple way of interpreting that verse. God's invisible. Okay, he's immortal. He's invisible. He, he's got his spirit, Jesus said. So people can't see God, but they can see God's love at work. They can't see God but they can see his love. And they know when they experience his love. You know it. It has such a deep, meaningful, transformational impact on our lives when we know that love. When we encounter it, when we experience it, it's so good. By this we know that we abide in him and he in us because he's given us his spirit. We have and we testify that the Father has sent the Son as Savior of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus Christ is God, God abides in him and he in God. The Bible says we believe in our heart, confess with our mouth, salvation is obtained. Verse 16, here's where it starts getting so good. We have known and believed the love that God has for us. God is love and he who abides in love abides in God and God in him. I love it. So we've known it. And we believe it. So let me ask you, do you know and do you believe that God really loves you? I mean, do you really know it? So the word gnosko is the main word for knowledge or knowing in the Bible, New Testament. And gnosko is a beautiful word. It means this. Knowledge that has an inception, a progression, and then an experience. It's knowledge that grows into encounter. 
So I've known, I first heard about it, I grew in the knowledge of it, and then I started regularly experiencing God's love. I experienced what I knew. And then I believe. So deep in your, the depth of your heart, do you really believe God loves you? God is not mad at you. You are so loved, my friend. God's not at war with you. He's not at war with mankind. The proof of God's great love for humanity is in the person of Jesus. The loved heart, which should be our hearts, is the bold, unafraid, and fearless heart. The loved heart is the joyous, hope-filled, and singing heart. The loved heart, the loved heart is the unintimidated, unashamed, and undefeated heart. The loved heart is the heart that mostly resembles the heart of God. The loved heart is the heart that unconditionally loves other people. Ever known anybody? I've had friends in my past that had Christmas lists, and every year the Christmas list got shorter. Someone would do something, cross them off the list. No card this year, no gift this year. They've done something to upset me. And, and so we don't want to be keeping lists. The Bible says this in, in 1 Corinthians 13, love keeps no record of wrongs. Amen? I want to say something about the amazing memory of women there, but I won't. Don't do it. Going so good, why ruin a good sermon? The loved heart is the healthy heart. The loved heart is the set-free heart. The loved heart is the forgiving heart. Forgiveness is the face of love. The loved heart is hard to offend. You can tell how much love is in you by how quickly or slowly you get offended. Some people get offended rather quickly. And you kind of walk in eggshells around them. They find offense where offense was not given because there's an absence of the security that love brings into a heart. People find what they look for. If you're looking for it, you'll find it. The loved heart is filled with the Holy Spirit. The, Romans, the Bible says in Romans 5, 5, hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out into our hearts by the Holy Spirit who's given Someone say to us, so, Pastor, I'm just not a lover. I know you're not. Thank God the Holy Spirit is. You with me? Stop using your temperament as an excuse to be a bad Christian. Well, Pastor, I'm a man. I don't like all the, the Jesus is my boyfriend stuff and all that love, that lovey, that lovey gushy stuff. You have a spirit, sir. Your spirit was made to be loved. If you don't encounter that love your whole life, you'll, you'll live a shallow walk with God, and you'll never be able to engage people at the level God would have you engage them in a truly loving way. Love does not make me less masculine. You with me? Love does not turn me into a woman. It turns me into Jesus. A person that looks like Jesus. Can't wait to get feedback on that. Pastor said he was Jesus. <laughs> the loved heart is the satisfied heart. The loved heart is the content heart. The loved heart is the overcoming heart. We're never more like Jesus than when we love people. We're never more like Jesus than, we love, than when we love people. 
You with me? We have to love people that disagree with us. We love people that don't like us. Jesus said, love your enemies. I'm like, Lord, that's what I love my family. But the love of God is so powerful. It can't be defeated whenever I'm... The love of God is the atomic weapon of the kingdom of God. It never loses a battle when it's deployed into the battlefields of life. Love never fails. 1 Corinthians 13. Never, ever, ever. Our, secure, our insecurities reveal unloved parts of our soul. Okay, let me finish the next part of this verse. Verse 17. Love has been perfected among us, 1 John 4, 17, in this way, that, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment, because as he is, so are we in this world. Okay. There's so much to back there. So, love gives me crazy boldness to actually believe what God says about me. Faith is easy when you know you're loved. So the Bible says, oh, so I grew up in church. I grew up as a, as a pastor's son. And I remember the evangelist come to church. He'd say, someday you will all stand before the throne of judgment. And every sin you've ever committed will be shown on a massive screen for all the universe to see. They'll see every secret sin you've hidden. They'll see every fault of your life. And I'm like in the front row. Well, who wants that? But then I read the Bible. Apparently the evangelist hadn't read the Bible. I read the Bible. And the Bible says, if I confess my sin, He's faithful and just to forgive me of my sin and to cleanse me of all unrighteousness. The Bible says this, I've cast your sins into the sea of my forgetfulness, never to be found again. The Bible says, as far as the east is from the west, so have I separated your sins from you, never to be found again. So I'm not coming to the judgment. Oh my gosh, are you kidding me? I'm like, Daddy God, here I am. It's Mikey. Because it's not a place of punishment. It's a place of reward. Now, some people don't get a lot of reward. We get, I mean, there's, there's going to be a recognition. But Daniel says, as he is, so are we in this world. I'm loved. I'm loved. You're loved. And, and when we read the Bible as a love letter, it's so different that if we read it as an angry father correcting sinful children. I don't know if your father was always unhappy with you. I don't know if there was always the attention to your failures and not your successes. I, but all I know is this, our Heavenly Father is different. He loves you as much on your worst day than your best day. I love, I love having good days. Pray a couple hours, preach, prophesy, see miracles, walk for God, no, no ugly thoughts all day long, go to sleep thinking, man, oh man, did I earn God's love today. He always reminds me, no, I'm proud of you today, but I love you the same on your worst day than your best day. I, it, it took me forever to get that because I was performance driven. 
like a lot of people in my profession are. I just want to pray. I was beating myself up after first service, but thank God there's always a second service where I can improve my message. And a wife who tells me, yeah, yeah, yeah. She's, she's such a sweet liar. She said, oh, you're so good. Thank you, honey. The more complete and comprehensive our experience with God's love is, the less room there is for insecurity to flourish in our heart. The next verse, this famous verse, there is no fear in love. I, I thought about this for a long time because it would seem just by deductive consequence and thinking that the opposite of fear would be faith. You know, faith is expecting God to do something. Fear is expecting the devil to do You know, faith is an expectation on the negative side. But the Bible says, but the antidote to fear is love. When I'm afraid, it's a part of my heart feeling unloved. It's amazing the devastating consequences we have when we make decisions because of fear, insecurity, intimidation, when we are living in that realm because it's so disfamiliar to the kingdom and to the heart of God. The freer my heart gets in love, the better decisions my mind can make. The better decisions my mind can make. So perfect love, there's no fear in love, but perfect or mature love, what does it do? Cast out fear. I, someone gave me this shirt, so I'm gonna, I wore it today. Let Jesus love the hell out of you. <laughs> Apparently, I've said that a few dozen times here in this church. So let Jesus love the fear out of you. Perfect love casts out fear. He that is fearful has not been made perfect in love. So what does love do? It takes over residence and drives fear out. Why? Because f fear is pure pain. Fear is emotional pain. Fear is suffering. It's torment. So just like, you know, if your body's in pain, and beautiful Mary was in pain yesterday, she's healed today. So we all recognize fear is when your soul is in pain. It's in torment. It's a horrible thing. So God doesn't want any of his kids tormented with fear. Lord, help us to... So experience your love that fear can find no place to grow in a, the garden of our soul. Help us to retake that ground and territory in Christ's name. The Passion Translation says about that verse, Love never brings fear. For fear is always related to punishment. But love's perfection drives the fear of punishment far from our lives. Whoever walks constantly afraid of punishment has not reached love's perfection. Now, I have the fear of God, a holy reverence for God. I've had it my whole life. It's a beautiful thing, a healthy thing, a holy thing, a necessary thing. But the fear of God doesn't make me afraid of his presence, or his nature, his goodness. Okay? So, people that are afraid of being punished all the time will always live inferior lives, afraid of making mistakes, and constantly tormented by the feeling that they're not loved enough. God loves you. God loves you. Well, Pastor, well, God wants you. You know, I'm battling this. God loves you. 
He loves you if you have an addiction. He loves you if you're fighting a sin. He loves you if you're living in sin. He loves, he loves you. His love has the power to repair you from all those things, to bring you out of those things, to show you the life he has for you. That's how powerful and great, complete and full his love is for us. When people are unsure of God's love for them, they live in perpetual fear of God's punishment or anger. That's when they feel God's unhappy with them. It's amazing how many people feel like God's unhappy with them. They feel God is upset with them. That kind of feeling creates the constancy of insecurity, rejection, and the feeling of abandonment. All of which make us permanently afraid of God, afraid to live, afraid of the future, afraid of making mistakes, afraid of everything. The most fear-free people on earth should be believers. Why? Because love. Because he has loved me into security, into safety, knowing he's never going to leave me. I, I will never leave you nor forsake you, his promise to us. You were created to be loved by God. Your life cannot find its ultimate purpose and satisfaction without knowing and experiencing God's love for you. Ephesians 3, let me read you this verse before we go home. Paul's praying for the church at Ephesus. He said, here's what I pray for you. For this reason, I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man. So I pray your spirit becomes strong through the Holy Spirit's infusion of life and grace to you. That Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that's salvation, and that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able then to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and the length and the depth and the height, to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge, that you may be filled with the fullness of God. I love that. The connection between God's love and God's fullness is there. The more of his love I have in me, the more of his fullness is in me. Have you learned to love? Mary and I were talking about marriage, and marriage is such an a, a incubator for us to learn to love each other. You know, you fall in love. It's really infatuation when you're young and you fall in love and feel these things. But, but love is not a feeling only. It's an action. It's a behavior. It's an attitude. It's a conversation. So you learn to love someone different than you. You learn to love them and not manipulate them and not, and not well, when we first were married, I've never raised my voice against married that I know of, but I, when I were young and were uh, married, when I was upset, I'd give her the silent treatment. And of course, we're, we're young. We had a little tiny apartment on 15th Avenue in Glendale. And uh, it's no fun giving someone the silent treatment if you can't find them. So I can't find her. Where's she at? I gotta go to the side trip. I gotta be in the same room. So it's gone on about an hour, and so I'm, I can't find her. And I walk into the bedroom, and she was hiding behind the door, and she jumped in my back. She said, I'm not letting go of you until you forgive me or whatever. And I started laughing so hard I fell on the floor. It was just, so I didn't, I didn't last long giving her the silent treatment. She wouldn't tolerate it. My, my whole point is this that in marriage, we have the chance to show God's love to our spouse, no matter what. 
no matter what. And when we do, it's such a great place to grow to be Christ-like. Amen. Every year I pray to become a better husband for my wife. And all of it comes back to how can I love her better? How can I love her better? I want to be filled with the fullness of God. I, I want Mary to feel like she's experiencing God's love through her husband. Amen. I want her to feel like that. And in ministry, that's... that's a, so when, when I travel around, I, this last five months have been kind of brutal, uh, busy, and I'm just enjoying, I'm getting stronger like every week uh, these past weeks. It's been great to be home. But when I travel, I, I praise God, I get to prophesy over a lot of people and preach and see miracles. <clears throat> but the, the most important thing is when someone tells me, we felt God's love for you tonight. I think, Bingo. Mission accomplished. Because everything else is so less important than to show God's love. I pray for you, my friends, no matter what you're going through, no matter what you may be facing right now, I pray that you would know and believe God's love for you. And I would, so the Bible says in Ephesians 5, be imitators of God as dear children. Next sentence. And walk in love. It's amazing how powerful your life becomes when you decide to walk in love. It's, it's wonderful to be my age and have an enemy's list with no one on it but the devil. Now, I may be on 100 people's enemies list, but they ain't on mine. You can't make me hate you back. You can't make me be offended at you back. No, not going to work. I, why? I've chosen to walk in love. It helps you survive life. It helps me stay healthy in the ministry. When things happen, oh, you know, people take advantage of you. So, so what? That's what I'm here for. I give my life away. I I love people. I, it's such an honor to be able to stand in this pulpit and love people and to minister throughout the week. For all of us as believers, make it our prayer. I pray today, Holy Spirit, fill me with your love, your joy, your peace, your kindness, goodness, faithfulness, meekness, patience, self-control through the Spirit. Would you pray that prayer with me right now? Holy Spirit, fill me with your love. Today in my world, in my example to others, in my ministry, in my family, Lord, I want to represent your heart, your nature, your character, and your son, Jesus. Show me how to love people better. Show me how to love my family better. Lord, forgive me when I've missed those moments and help me to seize them better. And Lord, I pray for people that are just aching, feeling unloved feeling unwanted, feeling rejection or abandoned, feeling insecure. God, today, win that battle. Thank you, Lord. Oh, the overwhelming, never-ending, reckless love of God. Oh, it chases me down, fights till I'm found, leaves the night. 
Prayer team, if you join me down front, please. No, I, I couldn't earn it. I don't deserve I it. I don't deserve it. Still, Still you give yourself away. Oh, the overwhelming, never-ending, reckless love Just of God. Life, his love. Oh, the overwhelming, never-ending, reckless love of God. Oh, it chases me down, fights till I'm found, leaves the 99. I couldn't earn it, I don't deserve it, still you give yourself away. All the overwhelming never Listen, we're going to have fun, we're going to have hot dogs in just five minutes, ten minutes. But there are people right now that Jesus wants to heal who have broken hearts. And man, does love want to flood into that heart? If you say, Pastor, man, I feel like my heart's broken, whether it's been recent or long. But you just give us a chance to stand with you as your family and pray with you. If that's you, say, Pastor, my heart's been broken. Would you just hold up your hand? Let us pray for you. I'm going to ask for those just just to be honest thank you thank you thank you lord i thank you you came to heal the brokenhearted you came to set the captives free you came to open prison doors you came to transform our lives thank you for healing these beautiful hearts right now in the name of jesus thank you god that's what love does it pursues us it values us it touches and heals us thank you for your love god Sing with me, oh the overwhelming, come on everybody, oh. Oh the overwhelming, never ending, reckless love of God. Oh it chases me down, fights till I'm found, leaves the 99. I couldn't earn it, I don't deserve it. Still you give yourself away Oh, the overwhelming, never-ending, reckless love Listen, the most important thing in life is receiving the love of God through the person of Jesus Christ. Receiving and believing that Jesus Christ is your Savior. If you've never received Him, today's your day. Today's your day when he's knocking on the door of your heart, ready to reveal himself to you. We'd be so honored to pray for you if you've never received Christ. Maybe you've been away from God. Make this your homecoming Sunday. If you need a physical healing in your body, we'd be honored to pray for you. Maybe you're just going through a really tough season, emotionally or mentally. Anyone wanting prayer, if you just come forward right now, we're gonna take time to pray for everyone who comes forward and stand with you. There's no shadow you won't light up, mountain you won't climb up, you're coming after me. Yeah. Come on, sing it. There's no, no wall you won't kick down, lie you won't tear down, you're coming after me. No shadow. There's no shadow you won't light up, mountain you won't climb up, you're coming after me. There's no wall you won't kick down, 
Tell someone next to you, Jesus loves you. God bless you.